will impart by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for powerboats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning. It's uh, second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock, time to start up Boat Talk for this month. I'm Alan Sprague, and right here to my left is Mike Joyce. We're the old rusty anchors of Boat Talk. It's a uh, call-in show for people considering things naval. We're also joined again by uh, our friend and mentor, Giffy Full. We're going to have uh, one hour of uh, all kinds of boat discussions, and as I said, it's a call-in show, too. So if you have anything that you'd like to discuss or even ask, we'll see if we can get a, a decent answer for you. Uh, call-in number is one 625 9378 We're going to have a 17-foot a dory story in just a little bit. We'll get around to that pun in a minute, but first... Uh, um, let's talk about offshore wind. Phone's ringing already. Can't wait to see what's happening here. Boat talk, always an embarrassment of riches. And uh, good morning, Giffy. How are you this morning? Good. Good. Good to hear you. Good to see you this morning. Um, a couple of things. We uh, talked last month about the crisis going on down in the Gulf of Mexico with the oil well there. And uh, I was honestly quite proud of what we did last month. Uh, about as proud as I've ever been about Botox. We, I think, approached the story after a hundred odd days in a different way from about everybody else. Um, and we had some excellent calls too. I think yes, we did. It. We talked to uh, Professor Doug Jeromak from the University of Pennsylvania. He's a flow sedimentologist, and he explained to us how sea level is not all at sea level, and the sea surface has topography and stuff, so to speak, does not roll uphill. So it affects where where things go, and also. Uh, we had Senator Doug Damon about uh, migratory fish and stuff. Uh, we didn't even talk about migratory birds. And then an interview with uh, Captain Sonny Perkins, who used to run oil supply tugs around the Gulf and around uh, several other major oil spills. And I thought that was all very, very interesting. And uh, I thought, like I say, um, I was pretty proud of it. I recommend it. It's podcast up at uh, boattalk.org and weru.org. But here's the thing. was off on a boat delivery last week. And we're in a rental car driving through Massachusetts looking for something to listen to on the radio. Push the seek button. Up comes Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Rush says, and this was the headline this day, was they're, they're laying off the skimmer boats down in, in uh, Louisiana and stuff because they can't find any oil to skim. The oil on the surface seemed to have disappeared all of a sudden. Mm. So Rush comes on the seek button on the radio there in the rental car and says, See? There never was a crisis, and there's, there never was, and certainly is no crisis. All a false deal, he said, ginned up by the environmental wackos to take control of America's, you know. Oh, man. So anyway, there's, there's the word. 
from, uh, like you say, there, there is no crisis. There never was. Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, but we, Before we go to that, why don't we, we do Well, and let's do the other one. One of uh, um, our friend Giffy's favorite things here is uh, wind and, and uh, tidal power especially. And here's a little note from the Working Waterfront, the August edition. Um, in June, Irving Oil Limited announced that it was abandoning tidal power exploration at 11 sites in the Bay of Fundy. No explanation for the decision was given. Calls and emails to Irving Oil were not returned. Um, Tidal Energy is uh, going big guns in Eastport right now, and they see themselves as the kitty hawk of Tidal Power down in Eastport. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Now, in, in New Brunswick, which most of us uh, don't pay too much attention to, even though it's right close by, um, they have just built down in St. John, New Brunswick, something called Canaport, which is a energy... It's an energy port and uh, LNG gas and oil. And Irving and the, the uh, province of New Brunswick has uh, styled themselves an energy hub and gone all in on this. And now Irving, for some reason, has abandoned the tidal energy exploration right in the middle of it and mm-hmm. won't say why, why. Yeah, well, we can't answer that one. So let's go to that phone call. I believe the person waiting any longer. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning, Alan. This is John Hanson. Yeah, I know your voice. Hi, John. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm terrific. And uh, one of the saddest things in the state of ocean energy and tidal research is the death yesterday of Matt Simmons. Yes, we need to mention that. And uh, he had done, uh, for a guy who made his living and fortune in the oil business, he was one of the first to realize that... uh, its day was over and that we had to put our efforts into getting to a cleaner, more sustainable energy uh, policy. And he was putting his money where his mouth was, and sadly he died uh, two nights ago. So Yeah, his company and, and the website, I believe, is uh, Ocean Research. Uh, Ocean Energy Ocean, Institute. Ocean Institute. Energy Institute, that's right. Right. It's an and interesting site. Yeah, and they're here in Rockland and... Uh, I hope that that they all outlive uh, Matt and uh, further his dream. Well, John Hansen, uh, you are the editor and, uh, and or publisher. I'm not sure which is which is which, but Maine Boats, Homes and Harbors magazine. Correct. And the difference between the two is the editor gets to play with truth and beauty, and the publisher has to do crass commerce. And I'm the publisher. Well. <laughs> I had always wanted to be the editor because people always return your phone calls when you're the editor, but they don't return your phone calls when you're the publisher. You're self-selected, though, aren't you? When did, when, and how did you start Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbors magazine, John? We started it in 1987, and I have been involved with Wooden Boat magazine since 1976. And before that, I'd been at the Hinckley Company, where I worked with this young dynamic boat carpenter, uh, <laughs> handsome, ripped with muscles. Those were the Alan, days, man. <laughs> named Alan Sprague. Uh, and I started the magazine. I, I still work for Wooden Boat, and I love Wooden Boat, but Wooden Boat was only really answering a bit of my coastal curiosity. And one day uh, in the summer of 1986, I think I was out in my really cool Ray Hunt powerboat, and we are 
had another couple with us who were artists, and we were having a gourmet lunch, and we were talking about the architecture on the thoroughfare, and a couple porpoises jumped across our bow, and there were the North Haven dinghies racing. And I said, that's what I want to cover. I, I want all of that coastal stuff in a magazine. And so that's what we tried to do when we started the magazine in the fall of 1987. Johnny, thank you. I'm sorry, Johnny. You think it's harder to start a magazine or a restaurant? They both have big... Uh big failure rates, don't they? But you've made a success. Yeah, I don't know which one's harder. I mean, uh, I, I don't know anything about restaurants. I worked as a dishwasher and a busboy, and that's my uh, uh, extent of my experience with restaurants. Magazines do have a pretty uh, high death rate. Um, and I was fairly fortunate in that I had been in the boat business on the coast of Maine for, for a while and had been in that magazine business and I I thought I saw an opportunity to uh, help at Wooden Boat we were pretty much committed to helping just the wooden boat builders I mean that was by nature our, our beast but I also knew that there were a number of, of great businesses employing a lot of great people on the coast who built boats of other medium and I thought that we could apply some of the stuff I learned with Wooden Boat to helping promote these builders who build boats of, you know, aluminum, fiberglass, steel, whatever. And so I was very fortunate in being able to pull that off and help a lot of uh, boat shops and other creative businesses over the last 20 years or so uh, find customers. And that, that was, that's how we stayed alive. And the magazine's bigger than that, too. You do architecture and uh, art. Yeah, art, everything. We Dogs. We, I mean, yeah, dogs. I mean, this was part of what I was trying to see if we could pull off was to be able to keep all of my friends on the coast employed. You know, my <laughs> artist friends, my furniture makers, home builders, everybody. And uh, and none of them really cared at all about marketing. I mean, that just wasn't, you know, that wasn't something that floated anyone's boat. But they needed to do it. And I thought if we put all these little companies together within a magazine it would help everybody and that seems to have been the, the case well a good job and uh, like say a uh, uh, nice market nice demographic not great subject matter and, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know and it's all it's all live in Rockland this weekend too that's the coolest thing about it is you know when we came up doing this show this will be our eighth year it really has become like the most concentrated center of creativity in the state of Maine for one weekend. I mean, you got, you know, people from Kittery to Eastport who all make things, and they're all here. I mean, they, some make boats, some make jewelry, some make art, some make houses, some make energy systems, but they're all together. It really is an, an incredible uh, collection of creative people. I mean, that is, I think, the coolest thing about this whole weekend in Rockland is that the people who do things are here. And John is talking about the Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbor show. It's going to be this uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Harbor Park in Rockland. Uh, last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday full of people eating lobsters. And this week, uh, like I say, uh, what John's talking about, people exhibiting uh, boats. We have a, a special on the evolution of the Maine lobster boat this year. It's going to be kind of interesting. Yeah, that's, uh, we've been working on this uh, series in the magazine for the last year called... Uh from whence we came, where Peter Spector, our editor, has been looking at 
influences that uh, affected him and got him to be the twisted boat freak that he is. You know, people ranging from Robert Louis Stevenson to uh, Atwood Manley to, you know, it's just interesting Howard Chappelle, that type of stuff. And we were looking at the collection of boats that we get at the show every year. And a goodly number of them are direct, even though they're yachts or pleasure boats, they're directly evolved from their workboat cousins, the lobster boat. And we realized that there were many people who may not realize the genesis of these boats. And so we've decided to do kind of like a little walking tour through history at the boat show. And we start out with some dories and peapods and friendship sloops and uh, skinny little Beals Island boats from the 20s on up to today's working lobster boat. So hopefully people will get some idea of when they look out to a harbor and, and see a fleet of lobster boats at their moorings, how we got there. Um, and hopefully it'll spur people to do a little more research and thinking about uh, from whence we came. John, let's get to the best part of the show. You know, uh, <laughs> one of the things I've always thought was genius about your magazine was a little column you got there called the Boatyard Dog, and in, <laughs> and in every issue, it features uh, a different dog and his little waterfront story. Yeah, well, well that that all started. Uh, Alan, do you remember Fagin? Oh yes, yeah. I well, I had I had a golden retriever named Fagin who came to work with me at the Hinckley Company in the early 70s. And he was an absolutely wonderful dog, and he, he lived to be 16 and a half. And I remember once being up the top of a mast and seeing Sagan riding up the wharf on the back of Henry Hinckley's golf cart with his front paws on Henry Hinckley's shoulders, which I thought, I'm gonna get fired for this one, but Henry <laughs> loved it. And then, then Fagan went with me and worked at, at Wooden Boat. And when I was starting the magazine, I, I was facing this daunting task of having to write this huge editorial on the editor's page. And I'm going, oh, man, what am I going to write about? And I had this picture of Fagin. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll put Fagin on this page, and I'll write about him as a boatyard dog, asking for more entries into this dogs and marine management. And it was great, because it set the tone. I mean, like in vaudeville, they always tell you, don't go on after the trained dog act. And I wanted to go on after the trained dog act. I wanted people to realize we didn't take ourselves so seriously. And it was the best thing we ever did. People that loved the Boatyard Dog. And so when we decided to do the show, the live version of the magazine, we had to do something with the Boatyard Dog. And it's been uh, a wonderfully, uh, slightly wacky competition ever since. And I understand we have some wonderful, slightly wacky judges working this show this year. Could you tell me a little bit about them? Don't know nothing about slightly wacky. Alan's going to be there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The Mike, you're going to be there too, aren't you? Absolutely. I'm off on a boat delivery again tomorrow, but I, I promise to be back. Okay. Yes, I absolutely will be there. So our, our Boat Talk hosts are going to uh, use their discerning eye during the Boatyard Dog competition, which I think is great. Yeah, they wanted two people who can whip up a crowd with a Mr. Microphone. That was obviously not us, but we figured it would be fun anyway. I think, yeah. I think it's going to be a hoot. 
think and it's just going to be terrific. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, Sunday yeah. morning, about 10 a.m. at the Maine yeah. Boats, Homes, and Harbors yeah. show. Starts yeah. with a dog parade, which I think will be interesting because all the dogs are going to be walking around first, uh, strutting, yeah. strutting oh, their yeah. stuff. Well, we also have the sea goddess and, and her princesses, I believe, lead the, lead the parade. Well, and let's set the, we got to set this just right. They'll all be dodging Shriners in the little lobster boat cars uh, well, that's what we're, at the I, same time, the exactly. dogs and the sea princess. Yeah, but, I mean, we, we, uh, the idea behind the whole show is to have 10,000 people with giant smiles on their faces. I mean, that's what we want, uh, is everyone to, to realize that don't like take life too seriously. You know, mess around in boats, have a good time, pat your dog, eat something, dance to some music. You know, that's what I think life is about. Well, here's the scene, though. There's the there's a parade with the Shriners and the Sea Goddess and the dogs and their handlers, and they all end up down to the public landing down to Rockland at the head of the Harbor Park there. And uh, there is uh, six dogs in the competition, including, I believe, the returning world champion. Yes, I have an interview with the returning champion. We'll play here in just a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Now, the dogs and their handlers... Uh, there are only three rules, as I understand them. Uh, either and or the dog and their handler must end up soaking wet. Um, cheating is not only not discouraged, it is encouraged. And uh, there are no other rules. Please bribe your judges yes. any chance you bribe, get. Bribe, bribe, please. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, we'll, dogs we'll a big bag. <laughs> and their handlers will uh, have to go through an obstacle course, which is time to get down to the float. And uh, that's the first portion of the uh, contest. Once upon the float, the dog and the handler have to get in and out of a tippy dinghy, which is moored to the float. Uh, good luck with that. And the third uh, is the freestyle portion of the program, which is freestyle and in can include uh, whatever wackiness, uh, hopefully something wet that the dog and the handler are willing to throw in. There will be judges just offshore in a Pulsifer Hampton uh, boat. And uh, they will be holding up cards to judge some stuff. Alan and I will do be doing the play-by-play on a finger float there, and uh, we'll be surrounded hopefully by lots of laughing, smiling people. Did you uh, guys people. ever see uh, Best in Show? That wonderful documentary. Uh, yes, I know about the uh, Westminster dog, yes, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yes, you might have to to uh, watch that again for just refresher course on how to talk judge talk at a, at a dog competition. Yeah. Now, we had a, we had a lovely meeting uh, with the uh, magazine people the other day down in Rockland, and I asked a question I thought was interesting. I thought, uh, you know, what's the worst thing that can go wrong around here, okay? Because it seems to me that this is a great little event. We'll have to, you know, just not try not to mess up. I mean, how, you know. A lady apparently competed one time with a uh, very serious lady and a very serious dog, and they put in a very serious performance, and they didn't win. And oh. they were very upset about that, but the point is that seriousness was not what was called for. Exactly. And exactly. she was looking more on a very highly trained Westminster kind of point of view. And no, no. Not no. what it's about, apparently. Not what it's about. <laughs> the, the idea is for uh, dogs and handlers to get wet and people to laugh. Yep. Well, uh, tennis on Sunday morning yep. at the Harbor yep. Park down in Rockland, the main yep. boats, yep. homes, and harbor show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a, it should yeah. be a blast. And of course, uh, we mu we should really point out that the boatyard dog trial will be surrounded by so much other stuff. All those people exhibiting, uh, all those boats, It'll be a lot of food. I would just guess, yeah. and uh, just the atmosphere in the Harbor Park in Rockland. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, we have great music too. We have great live music. One of my highlights is the University of 
of Maine at Machias Ukulele Club that comes down and plays. It's an unbelievable collection of, of musical artists. It's um, not to be missed. It's meant to be a good time. I have uh, two two items I'd like to uh, throw out to you, John, before we before we say goodbye. Um, first is there is a boat there that I did a little bit of work on that I think fits right into your evolution of the lobster boat thing is Chummy Rich's wooden lobster yes. yacht. Yes, it's, Chummy, Chummy is, is bringing the boat down. I didn't know you did some work on that. I was up there to, to see Chummy in uh, the middle of last week. The boat's terrific. It, it's absolutely great. Yeah, well, Ch- Chummy was really desperate. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so he <right>. called me. <laughs> um, the second item um, I think for you to think about is... Uh, little history going back to when we worked at the Hinkley Company, back when the company was small enough that you could bring your dog to work. And right. also, um, everybody there had access to the intercom, so if you right. need, needed to call somebody. Right. Well, every once in a while while I was working, I'd hear the intercom go on, and somebody would give this big, long diatribe about oh, current uh-huh. events of the day. Yep. You know, yep. our boats. Webby. Webby, yeah. Webby Seavey. I mean, I... I, the collection of people we worked with at the Hinkley Company in the early 70s was, was absolutely unbelievable. I don't think you could put it together in fiction. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Webby was kind of like uh, something out of like a, a MASH movie where he'd just go on these long raps over the intercom. And, uh, it, was, it was wild. It was wild, yes. Yeah. You're right. Uh, so, and I also had, I was in the paint crew that first year. And I had just gotten out of college. I mean, I was a college kid, really wet behind the ears, and I wound up with this paint crew with Harvard Graham, Fink Harper, and Pearl Dow. And, and Pearl Dow and I were really, he was, I thought, ancient. He probably was 55. You know, I thought he was ancient. And he was completely bald, and, and wrinkles that started at his eyebrows went all the way back up his head. And we always got put together on the farthest boat back because we were both slow and inept. And we used to talk food, Pearl Dow and I. And he told me that his favorite food was slack salt cod. And I asked him why, and he said, "Because I can gum it." <laughs> yeah. So that that was that would be uh, pearly. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, well, thank you guys for having me on, and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys. And and you both do a terrific job with boat talk. And I'm going to go check out the archives on your. Uh, stuff about the uh, oil spill. That sounds like it was really interesting. Thank you, John, and uh, we are just absolutely tickled that you asked us to come oh, and help well, host this thing. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's, that's it was, pretty funny. I, it, I don't know who was the, the, the genius here who came up with the idea, but as soon as I heard it, I said, yes, and what are you, how could we think of it earlier? Yeah. So, uh, break a leg, guys. We'll see you Sunday morning. Thank All you, John. Right. Thank you, John. Right. Um, let's go quickly to that one uh, Boatyard Dog CD. And then we have a phone call right after that. But this uh, this boatyard dog thing, it only takes about three minutes. The audio is a little poor, so you got to listen carefully. This is Alan Sprague, one of the Boat Talk guys for WERU. This year, the Boat Talk guys are going to be the MCs for the ninth annual Boatyard Dog Trials at the Maine Boats Homes and Harbors Show in Rockland the weekend of August 13th through the 15th. The Boatyard Dog Trials happen on Sunday morning, the 15th, starting at 10.15 a.m. It's a fun event with the dogs negotiating a boatyard junk obstacle course, jumping in and out of a tippy dinghy, and a freestyle event. This year, there are six excellent entrants 
And last week, I had the opportunity to talk with the returning champion from last year, Pancho Villa, and his handler, Abigail Matlock. I started by asking Abigail how they got Pancho. He turned out to be a used dog. We found Pancho in Uncle Henry's, and we drove to Swanville, and we got him. And we, he was like five months, I think, when we got him, and he's three now. Being the champion from last year, I figured he must be a pretty sharp dog. So I asked Abigail if he was a smart dog. Um, not really. <laughs> I just like figured out that he could do that and that's all he can do. Abigail's mom, Catherine, added that Pancho really doesn't like swimming that much, but he sure does like to go boating. was He's not a big swimmer, but he loves to go on the surfboard and also loves to ride on the boat. So lately he would go on the boat that was tied up to our dock and just sit there and bark until we Last year, Pancho did some surfboarding for the freestyle portion of the event. So I asked Abigail what he was going to do this year. Um, yeah, it's like adding on to what we did last year and better. It's kind of a secret. Uh, are you going to get wet this year? Uh, probably. So yeah, either the contestant or the, the handler or the dog has to get wet. So maybe Abigail and maybe Pancho. We'll see. So that's it for the boatyard guys going to the dogs again for now. We hope to see you at the Maine Boats Homes and Harbors show August 13th through 15th in Rockland at the waterfront. And thanks to Abigail and Poncho. <laughs> Careful working with kids and dogs, yeah. right? We do have a phone call, so let's go right Thank to that. goodness. <laughs> Good morning, and thanks for tolerating Boat Talk. Yep, you're on Boat Talk. Go ahead. Nope. Good morning. So, uh, 1-866-625-9378 is the telephone number around here. We are doing boat talk this morning. We've been plugging the upcoming Maine Boats, Homes, and Harbor show pretty hard because they've had the uh, sense of humor or the uh, foresight or just the uh, pure courage to ask us to come and host the Boatyard Dog Championship portion of the show Sunday morning. Yeah. And as we've been saying, it uh, probably a built-in good time. And uh, we're still trying to figure out what our part of it's going to be. And maybe you ought to show up and uh, see what happens, same as us. About 10 o'clock Sunday morning down the Harbor Park well, in Rockland. Uh, okay, switch over and, oops, I think we have another phone call. Go ahead. You're on Boat Talk. Good morning. Yes, this is Becky O'Keefe calling uh -huh. um, from Goldsboro. Okay. And I'm a member of the Solid Waste Committee here, and we're having a shoreline cleanup. And the reason I wanted to call into Boat Talk is that last year um, when we did the cleanup, we just, we came across and realized uh, the problem dealing with the old traps that are washing up on the shore. And um, these traps are up, washed up during storms. And when they used to be wood, they would have broken up and washed away. But right now, anyone that's walked along the shore will see they're accumulating, they're getting tangled with each other. And it's illegal to handle them. We have a waiver this year from the state. Um, yeah, a Department of Marine Resources to handle them for the day of our cleanup. 
And um, we're trying to address marine debris, um, whether it's Clorox bottles, oil um, bottles, or these uh, crushed traps. And what we'd like to do is, is for the whole Scudic Peninsula, we're trying to encourage people to come out on Sunday to the 22nd. We're looking for um, fishermen to help us. That's why we picked it for Sunday and um, why we chose Sunday, because um, we really need pickup trucks. Um, last year we had nine one-ton trucks of these traps, and this year we're hoping to um, reach a little bit more of the remote areas um, with more volunteers. And I just I think the problem is um, happening up and down the coast with um, the offshore islands and the remote locations and some exposures being really littered with these traps. And um, I'm going to give a contact number if I could. Sure, go ahead. Um, it's the Goldsboro Town Office, and it's 963-5589, and I encourage anyone that can come out to the whole Scudic Peninsula, Winter Harbor, the Scudic Point being um, Cirque, and that group is involved, and the town of Goldsboro to try to help us get these traps off the shore and any other um, marine debris we're finding out there. Becky, besides the traps, what do you, what do you find most of on the shore? Well, what we're doing is that um, we're bringing it back, and last year we brought it back and we separated it out. And at this point, I can't remember, we put all the Clorox bottles and we came up with like 83 Clorox bottles, and we tried to identify what the trash was. So we do have someone tallying back in the parking lot, um, um, keeping track of what it is that we're collecting. We've got rugs, we've got totes, uh, buckets. Mostly, we are finding it's coming off of fishing boats, and we're really trying to shine the light on this and try to get some people to change some of their ways. Um, and um, that's why we do document what we're taking off the shores. Um, I a lot of rope, and I realize the traps are rep represent a lot of money, and it's like a heartbreak to go out there Um to, to get their traps after they've been destroyed, but they aren't going anywhere. They're not floating off, and, and um, it's just making some coves really impassable, you know, on the shore by the tangle that you find. Um, and we do need people that, if they can't get out on the shore, we need a lot of people back at the site where we separate things, because in order to handle these traps, we have to take the trap tag number off of every trap and we had to look it up in a book, and we had to contact the fishermen and tell them we have their trap. And then they have to come down and decide whether they want it or not, or tell us whether we can um, get rid of it. And we do have um, a, a, someone who's going to recycle them. We can recycle them with um, our metal at our transfer, transfer station. But we have to, in order to do this legally through the state, contact the fishermen. And last year we did that, and there was only like five traps out of the nine truckloads that were usable. I mean, would have been, you know, reused. Um, but we keep all the buoys and we lay them out for the fishermen to come and claim. And that's why we really would love to have fishermen help us this Sunday because we are bringing a bunch of their gear back. And um, it comes down to product stewardship, which is a word, a term that's going to be out there more and more is that, you know, it's not over just because it's out of your sight. Um, and we got to get people to help us. Um, clean up our shores. Becky, that's a great idea. I, I read a very interesting little piece, I believe it was in the Fisherman's Voice, that's out currently and can be picked up uh, around different spots in down East Maine. It was one of your neighbors, a, a fisherman in Winter Harbor, 
they hired him to go out and and uh, grapple for ghost traps underwater. Yes. And yes, they were paying him to do it. Yep. He was sort of doubtful about it and has yep. become a big uh, bit of a fan. And they found out a couple interesting things. Most of the traps had their escape vents all all worn off so that they were open. Um, mm-hmm. and, and lobsters can – you're not finding lobsters in these traps, are you? No, these are up on high water. These are ones that have come in over stor- with storms. And, it's, and, and what that is – the traps that they were getting um, are called ghost traps. And we're dealing with the state, hopefully, trying to get fishermen to help us next year. We're trying to get a grant to get us out to the islands off the shore here. Because we, you know, obviously we'll need fishermen to take them back to the shore for us. And um, the people that organize that are going to help us next year, if they can, to get to the offshore islands um, to try to reach those shorelines. But right now we're just counting on people lugging them back to the trucks and, um, so they can be claimed or recycled and um i think it's i think this is the problem with these metal traps is that they don't go anywhere and we're finding that out you know they don't break up and float away so i guess they don't biodegrade like the old ones not not as quickly anyway i I guess the one point i was going to make becky and uh, i'm sorry Mm -hmm. uh, becky and and again commending you for picking that stuff up but the the one thing i just wanted to add to it was the picture of these ghost traps trapping lobsters, I don't, um, is what mm. I was going to say, is they really don't. Yeah. Uh, lobsters can enter and exit most lobster traps at will anyway, is what we found out. And uh, they're sort of bait stations, but these ghost traps do not end up trapping uh, live lobsters. Uh, and, they're, and they have biodegradable escape vent panels, which do biodegrade and, and let the lobsters, like say, out of them, but they're still trash, and they got to get out of the water. And, and excellent job, um, thank you very much. Well, well, the, I think the ones that that are in the water are actually my husband's a fisherman, and he says sometimes they create a habitat, you know, with their barnacles and different things going on, that um, that they really aren't that much of a pain when they're in the water. They are creating the habitat. It's the ones up on the shore that we're after that are like not creating. You know, so I think there's two different things here happening with these traps. Kind of interesting, like, isn't it? Yep. And yep. they're all underwater and out of sight, too, and nobody even knows what happens when you throw a lobster trap in, except for the University of Maine put a video camera down there one time. And yeah. I believe you can search that on the web, lobster trap video. And it's pretty wow. interesting yep. because the lobsters go in and out and fight over the bait, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. Becky, well, great idea. Okay, thank you for letting me um, promote it on your show, and we always love listening, listening to your show. Yep, yeah, thank you. August 22nd, uh, Shoreline Cleanup. Here's the phone number again, 963-5589 for more information on that. Do we have another phone call back? Okay, let's uh, let Giffy talk a little bit about Windward Passage. Windward Passage? What what are we talking about this morning? Yes, Windward Passage is a program for children that is run by Havilah Hawkins in Sedgwick with assistance, uh, a lot of assistance, from Mrs. Robert Scott from Castine. Her first name is Pamela. And uh, the program is essentially run on Havilah's big husky uh, gaff rig cutter, the Vila. And it's uh, centered around, uh, I would say, Use the best term I can come up with. Uh, somewhat disenfranchised children. 
that are perhaps need guidance or they're getting on the edge of maybe getting in a little trouble and maybe uh, they're children of a, 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 a single parent and they don't get as much attention as they need. But anyhow, this program is run on the, on the Vila and uh, Havel is certainly a very experienced sailor. He, uh, he designed this boat and built it several years ago and it has used it basically as a passenger carrying boat, but he desired to do this program with children. They take uh, six children uh, per week, and they live and sail and work together on the Vila, uh, cruising the coast. Uh, they learn to sail uh, and uh, learn the elements of seamanship and uh, working together and getting, getting along together and helping one another, and they learn to row, and they learn to do some exploring on the, on the islands. And I think this is a terrific program for young teenagers that, um, that need a little help. And uh, they, I know of some instances where some of these children have done a complete turnaround and uh, just they, they've had a thrill doing it, and I think it's a wonderful program. Uh, and I hope people will come forward and support it because I believe it's something that should continue, and it's uh, certainly a wonderful thing. I love the whole idea of children getting an opportunity to sail on a big boat like that and work together. Uh, I know as a very young man, I lived and worked around the boatyard, and uh, Lordy, uh, one of the greatest things for me was to get aboard one of those big yachts that had a crew on it, and maybe I'd do some errands for them and help them take it up harbor to the mooring from the shipyard. And, you know, kids, it's hard to have for children to get those opportunities today. So I think it's, it's a great program. Again, it's called Windward Passage, and... Uh, it's, uh, the, I guess the contact is, is best uh, handled through Pamela Scott and Castine. It's certainly a good program. The other thing I'd just like to hit on is that um, this weekend uh, was uh, the Agamogan Reach Regatta, and it was one of the most beautiful weekends that I've ever seen for sailing vessels here. And the race... Uh, was just dandy. It, uh, there was a good breeze uh, the whole day, and uh, I happened to be able to be on a boat and see them all coming out of Agamogan Reach, uh, most of them carrying spinnakers. It was a, a, a tremendous fleet of sail, and they all finished uh, pretty much what we call early. There were no drifting matches getting across the finish line, and just about all the boats were in by four o'clock, and it was it was quite a sight. And uh, you know, I think there's there's a case of something wonderful. I mean, uh, certainly John Wilson with wooden boat, and Steve White with Brooklyn Boatyard, and Taylor Allen with Rockport Marine. They've all pulled together to to put this program together, and it's just wonderful for all those that like to sail and love wooden boats. And I, I can't thank all those people enough.
they've created something that a lot of people just won't ever miss anymore, yeah, which yeah, is a wonderful yeah. trick. Yep. And Giffy, one of our favorite questions around boat talk is, "What happened to you? Mess you up about boats?" And and uh, we know what happened to you growing up around the boat yard in Marblehead. And think of taking those young kids, you know, troubled or not, and giving them an adventure, but dropping them into a place that just requires total honesty, because you can't be messing up around the yeah. ocean in the boat. Yeah, I I think the other thing I don't really know, but I think Cavalier's probably a pretty good teacher. Yeah, pretty good guide. Yeah. He and, calls uh, in uh, fairly fairly often. And, his, boat and his boat is r- rather exceptional, and uh, she's a handsome looking boat. He designed her himself and and built most of her himself. Little on the simple side. Yeah, yeah. but she's plain, and that's, that's it's a wonderful boat for those kids to work in. They don't have to worry about scratching somebody's bright work. Yeah. They, and <laughs> if, if and if they not happy with the bunk they're in, they can probably swap with somebody else. And like I say, it's an environment that demands total honesty. They probably or, even got to learn to do some dishes. Yeah, yeah, well, sure. And like I say, yeah. total honesty or respect, yeah. or you'll have it handed back to you. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, uh, that that week that those kids have will stay with them all their lives. Oh yeah, you yeah. give them some direction, yeah. and they're yeah. going to take from there. That's Absolutely, great. terrific yeah. program. Yeah. I just want people to come forward and support it. Yeah, the, you can get information on that at, uh, on the web at windwardpassage.org. There's a great website there. Phone's been ringing. Let's yes, give the number to one eight six six one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight is the telephone number. If you want to give a call, we got a couple people waiting on the phone. Yep. Good morning. You're up next. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hello? Hello, yes, it's, it's, this is you. Yeah, well, this is Havel Hawkins on Vila. Oh, Havity, how are you? <laughs> a little birdie called me this morning and said, you're going to have Giffy on, so I thought I better come and defend good, myself. Good, good, I left him, I hope it would get to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you just heard the nice things we were saying about yeah. you, Havel. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah, in I trouble now, I probably did everything wrong. wrong. <laughs> I, I broke every rule of uh, Windward Passage, and I got a cell phone and a radio, so I knew what was going on. But normally we don't do any cell phones and radios aboard, but I am in touch with my wife. So, <laughs> well, What's the scene so, out uh, there today, Captain? Where well, are we? Uh, let's see. What happened? We're in Buckle Island, which is on the eastern end of... Uh, Hell, this is York Passage, Casco Passage, Passage yeah. yeah, up in that neighborhood somewhere. Exabar with Swan's Island, lovely little anchorage yeah, there. It's a wonderful little place, and um, so this morning we got up, made breakfast, and and we went ashore and uh, did a little gnome home maintenance on the island here. There's all kinds of. They've got a population of gnomes on this island that we have to <laughs> keep the houses up, otherwise they move off, and we don't want that to happen. They'd be, uh, they'd be unknowned. Yeah, on Buckle <laughs> Island, there's a uh, there's a path that runs around the island, and and as you uh, walk through the woods, there used to be a doorway in the middle of a... It's uh, still there, yeah. You go yeah. from the light side to the dark side. Yeah, in the, in exactly. the dark cedar woods. and uh, something else now, but yeah, it's a wonderful place. But you look under little roots and stuff, and, and in little rock uh, hollows, and there are all these little fairy houses and stuff set up all yeah. over the last time I was there, and... How are the youngsters doing today? Well, they're doing all right. They uh, managed to get the boats full of sand on the way back, so we told them they had to roll them over and rinse them out, and that meant they had to bail them out and all works. And then they got into this uh, kind of a king of the mountain thing on the bottom of a dinghy. That was kind of fun to watch for a while. They, they settled <laughs> down now. They're down to just playing rowing around and swatting horseflies right now. But, yeah. uh, well, that's so. great. I think 
I just hope that you have a rule aboard there, no rubber boats and no outboards. There's no rubber boats, no outboards, no electronics, and no arguing with each other. Good. Other than that, it's pretty much what we do. Yeah. A uh, couple of them, we, we, most of these kids uh, have actually, even the ones from DHHS, Department of Health and Human Services and foster kids, have to be, have to have sort of gotten to a certain point before they come with us. These kids are all <laughs> relatively normal. Or as normal as most kids are, anyway. So, um, but we have a fairly good mix of kids who can't afford it, uh, kids from local towns that whose parents may not be able to afford it. They get scholarships. The Department of Health and Youth Services kids all, and the foster kids, they all come free of charge to the state. Pam raises all that money. So this program doesn't cost the state anything, as far as the HHS is concerned. And uh, she, Pam, does all the credit for raising the money and keeping the program going. And we actually participated in the Egamog and Reach Regatta. We did all three days with uh, with our kids last week, and it was a riot. <laughs> they didn't care for Thursday so much in the fall, but Friday and Saturday they got kind of a kick out of it. But sailing this kind of vessel in the midst of a fleet like that with a bunch of kids was a pretty memorable thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I appreciate you doing the uh Hattie, on the show. I, I have one one request from you. Can you give us a, an example of a, a student who went on one of your trips and then came back to you later and uh, told about what it uh, what effect it had on him or her? Oh wow, yeah. Well, actually, the one that really stands out followed me home last fall. <laughs> 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 we had a kid to sail with me two years ago one week, and then last year he came on, and uh, I think he was scheduled to one maybe two weeks, and then. We just couldn't send him back to the, you think he was living in a shelter up in Livermore, not Livermore, uh, I don't remember, Skowhegan, I guess is where it was. And he just blossoms on the boat. He just had to be here. So we kept him for four weeks. And uh, at the end of the season, we couldn't send him back. So he wound up being my foster child at this point. And right now he's going mate for me. Uh, he is in the authority side of the operation as opposed to the, <laughs> Yeah. Andy authority side of the operation, and it's just amazing what he's what he's been able to do and how far he's come. So yeah. that's one example. There are other kids. We've had a couple come back. One guy from Massachusetts who was not a foster kid. He's just a regular kid, but he's a fairly wealthy family, a single child, and not a whole lot of social graces, and he can't get away with that on the boat. So he's been back twice and just loves the abuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's the head cook? Yeah, they cook and wash the dishes and all that stuff. We break them up into three teams of two, and they rotate every day. They all get to cook. They all get to wash dishes. They all get to take care of the deck duties and stuff. So that's pretty interesting stuff. Well, I thank you for for what you've done with your program. Well, i got to thank the program. I was very fortunate to run into Pam. I had been doing day sales in Eggertown. I was getting tired of going around in circles and wanted to do something with kids and was having trouble making that start. And then Matt Murphy is actually responsible of Wooden Boat. He's responsible for introducing me to Pam Scott. He's actually on the board of directors, and it was a very fortunate symbiotic relationship. I was a boat without a program, and they were a program without a boat, and Pam and I think very much along the same lines, and there's been a tremendous amount of support around here for what we're doing. And you're absolutely right. Through no credit to me at all, the boat seems to work perfectly for what we do. We can run into it with a skiff. It doesn't really affect my paint job too much. I can touch it up. <laughs> so she's just kind of fun. It's, I can sail it myself, but I can also keep six kids busy. Um, 
them pretty easily. It's just getting a sail, a thousand feet of main, a thousand feet of sail in his main. So he's uh, capable of keeping kids busy if we want to, for sure. Beautiful. And I appreciate you guys and your show and all and having me aboard. That's great. Oh, yeah. Glad to Thank do it, you. Eddie. Thank We're just you, hanging out now, waiting for a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> we either got fog and wind or no wind and no fog. So well, you, you listen. You listen to Mike, and you'll get a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful yeah. picture down there today in Casco Passage, at Baco Harbor. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got to straighten you out. You're lost. I don't want you delivering my boat. That's what York is, Passage. York. There's too many of them up here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> York Passage, and I don't know. I don't know. I got a chart. I look on it. Get the names. <laughs> what I need is one of those little GPS video game things. I'm still doing the wristwatch and then reckoning thing, but uh, mm. someday I'm going to get graduate into the video game navigation scheme. Well, good Lord, Captain, ain't it good to know that that comfort awaits you and your your daughter in yeah. years? You know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, well, well I thank you. Thank you, Eddie. All right, we have another phone call. Let's go immediately to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Thanks for waiting. Good morning. And I wonder if anybody has called in about the um, Belfast Harbor. Could you, could you talk a little bit louder? We're having a hard time hearing. I'll try doing that. Can you hear me better now? That's yes, better. Thank you. Oh, good. I wonder if anyone's already called in about the Belfast Harbor Fest. No, we haven't had that call. Well, based on the fact that there's not a whole lot of time right now on the show, I'm going to just mention that people can go to BelfastHarborFest.com, and there's a lot of information there. But if it's okay, I'll tell you a little bit about some of what's going on. Yeah, when's it happening? What's going on? Good questions. Uh, August 20th through the 22nd, and uh, there's a... <clears throat> uh, I'm just going to read a little bit from the website. Uh, celebrate a full day of boats on Belfast Historic Waterfront. Watch as teams of two build a wooden skiff in record time. I think it's two hours at the National Boat Building Challenge, and then cheer them as they test their boats for seaworthiness in a relay race across the harbor. And there's going to be live music, and also a there's something. I've just come to this website uh, for the first time, uh, but I wanted to uh, mention some of the things. There's a National Boat Building Challenge uh, sponsored, sorry, I'm sort of hurrying here, <laughs> by the Rotary Club. And uh, the challenge involves two people teams building a 12-foot wooden skiff in under four hours, followed by the rowing race. The actual uh, record now, I believe, is down under an hour to build that 12-foot boat. Wow. And there are people that almost professionally uh, compete in it. I, myself, uh, and my friend Richard Ryder did it one time. and Yeah. yeah. Uh, hour 56, uh, hour 46 for us. And That's we, quite impressive, I'll yeah. have to say. And then they do the rowing the rowing challenge after. It's a great lot of fun to watch. Yep. And yeah. they have a compass project. Do you know about that? No, tell us. Uh, it's uh, for our national boat build. Uh, am I doing the same thing? Yeah. Uh, teams of five with an experienced volunteer. Well, maybe this is the same thing. It doesn't seem like it is. Build a 12-foot wooden skiff in two and a half days. Yeah, this is more family-oriented. Family thing. boat building. Yeah. Oh. Thing, which again is uh, not a race, but no, an accomplishment. Right. It's, yeah, it says they learn teamwork and skills, um, and then after completed, they have the nice boat to take with them. That's kind of a cool thing. Uh, and there are Gordon Bach and some of his singers are going to be there, and some of the other people are Morty Hansen and Skip Strong and uh, Anna Demska and the Scudic Chorus 
and the Gawler family music, and um, Invocation for the Love of Herring. And it's a part of this is a herring festival, uh, which or the sardine extravaganza, it is being called. And uh, the subtitle is Raise a Ruckus for Herring at the Sardine Stage at the Belfast Commons. And um, there, a uh, woman in t- town, the former poet laureate, Corinne Spitfire, has been the, 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 uh, the creative force behind this, really feeling like we need to bring back the herrings to, and uh, obviously the sardines, the baby ones, back to Penday and to this whole area. So this is kind of something to raise awareness that's fun. And, uh, and I guess Friday night they're doing um, Three Tides, which is a local place down here in Belfast, is hosting a, a party, um, a launch party, and then um, with, uh, all the way from 5 p.m. to 11 on the steamboat, steamboat okay. landing. Well, I'm afraid we have to wrap things up now, but that's that sounds like a whole exciting weekend, the weekend yeah. after next down in Belfast. That's right, and Belfast Harbor Fest. Is there a website? That's it, BelfastHarborFest.com. Okay. Thank there'll be food, much. there'll be song, there'll be people, there'll be boats, there'll be boat rides, there'll be a shining, sparkling sea as well. A uh, good place to be. All right, thanks for calling in. I have a... a run out of time here, yeah, anyway. We are running out of time, and I do need to announce, a, as Giffy was saying earlier, it's a, a lot of people around here have a deserving, um, deserving things that we do. One of them is WERU itself needing some fun, well... Always, always needing funds, but we uh, we have been g- donated a 17-foot Swampscott dory, recently built, very nice, beautiful-shaped dory that can be seen in person at wooden boats. But if you'd like to see it in pictures, it's at weru.org, and there's a link there to see the this uh, 17-foot Swampscott dory that we're going to be auctioning off. And you can participate in the auction by going to the website as a fundraiser. We weren't asked to survey it or sea trial it or anything yet, have we? No, we haven't. No, actually, I have to admit, I haven't seen it. It's probably right, right close to Giffy's yeah. house. We yeah. should have him check I'll it out. go right down and check it out. Yeah, well, you're not good for rowing this afternoon, though, are you, Giffy? No, no. I can skull ball. Yeah, <laughs> if he's down to one arm. Yeah, so go to weru.org and click on the link for the Swampscott Dory. And yep. check it a out. nice chance to get yourself a classic uh, uh, it's vessel. A, it's a sailing dory. And uh, like I say, sailing dory and uh, support community radio too. I would like to point out that um, out uh, sailing around recently, boat deliveries, we see uh, uh, different people out playing with their boats. There was a guy in a... In a uh, uh, sliding Gunter rig uh, off of Rockport the other day, who was out sailing his little dory around, and that fella is having more fun per pound of boat than any yacht in that harbor. Okay, there's a guy down in Castine who has a little boat at the yacht club, and it's a little uh, open boat, uh, rowing boat with a, uh, a sprit rig, and on the transom of this boat is written in beautiful gla- uh, graphics. Death or glory. <laughs> and we saw him careening downwind past the Castine Yacht Club dock one day, just on the edge of control, had to jibe into the dock, which he barely did without filling the boat full of water, and going by all in a whoosh, death or glory. Good for you, bud, okay? And uh, you see a little dream like that? How about this 17-foot Swamp Scott Dory? It's an absolute classic. And uh, by all accounts, uh, well turned out. And, uh, you know, you sailing that thing on the edge of control going, whoosh, help, would be, a, you know, 
quite a thrill someday and support community radio. So, Two other items I have to mention, unfortunately, given short shrift, but um, happening at the Grand in Ellsworth on Sunday the 15th at 5 p.m., there are going to be two movies about the fishing industry in eastern Maine, and there's going to be a discussion afterwards. Um, one of the, one of the uh, movies is uh, a movie entitled Fish Belong to the People, and it features our friends down in Port Clyde, Glenn Libby and so forth, who are, who are fishing out down, down there. So it's going to be an interesting show at the Grand, uh, Sunday the 15th at 5 p.m., Grand in Ellsworth. And also our friends at the Apprentice Shop are going to be having an interesting talk um, about a yeah, South Pacific uh, native who, you know how they navigate down there? By the stars. Yeah, by the stars. By experience. And, and the waves. Yeah, and, yeah. the birds yeah, yeah. and you know, all, kinds of, yeah, all yeah. kinds of interesting things. That's going to be an interesting uh, discussion at the apprentice shop in Rockland on Thursday after. It's not Steve Thomas, is it? Um, Steve Thomas is the host for uh, oh, Steve Thomas, this old yes, house. Okay, yep. He got that gig because as a young man, he went looking for you know some information there and apprenticed himself to a fellow on a South Sea island and wrote a book called The Last Navigator. This they is made what a documentary yes. be talking about. Yes, and uh, that's how he got the gig on this old house as well. Huh? Yeah. So. And uh, very interesting. Like I say, they sort of. Lick their fingers and hold it up to the wind and squint at the star and look at the waves and they know right where they are. It's amazing. Yeah. It's going to happen six Thursday, Thursday evening in the apprentice shop in Rockland. When and the uh, British first showed up out to Tahiti, the Tahitians and the British both navigated with the same stars, but they didn't call them the same thing. But it's all the same world now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, time to uh, shove off and make room for On the Wing coming up next year on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, and around the world at WERU.org.